step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mosher, Lombardi, and Kane. Presented by Barstool Sportsbook and Ameristar Casino Blackhawk. Legwall of ESPN.com and all conversations with Leggy are brought to you by BetSafe Colorado, the exclusive club for passionate gamers and betters across the state. Hi, Leggy. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. We were just having a discussion, and Vic, you brought up an interesting point. I'll let you ask it to Leggy. I think it's a good thing that Peyton is locking the doors behind him and focusing on football for the next couple months. And I know those of us, especially guys like you, this is your living. It sucks because you want to be there every day following the team. But for the team's sake, I think what he's done is a great move. Thoughts? Well, I mean, you're still following the team. You know, I can, uh, you know, I go over there and work from time to time during the off season. You know, not much changes from my perspective. It, I think more of it's more of a public uh, look mm-hmm. right now. Now we we as a group are are interviewing fewer players publicly. Doesn't mean you're not talking to guys, but you know, in previous years, every previous year, uh, they would have a you know the, some of the veteran players available you know to us each week during even phase one, which they're in right now, which is just conditioning. Uh, but we've never seen practice or the workouts during phase one. We 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 see practices during OTAs, which is the next grouping. So. Uh, we'll see if it's if it's much different, but yeah, he's he's going to run it differently. And I, I've told people in in our business if uh, if you didn't cover some of the coaches in the past here, uh, you really don't know what's coming. You know, it's it, it is going to be different. He, he's made no secret of that. And I I keep pointing back to the the phrase he used when he got hired, and he said anonymous donors, and he wasn't kidding around. He, he would rather everyone be very anonymous uh, this time of year. But, Jeffrey, this even extends to the team's own social media oh, presence. Yeah. We're not even yeah, seeing no, it, nothing from them. No, it's a directive. If people don't think this is a directive, they're, they're mistaken. This is a – the coach said, don't do this. Uh, you know, I have not verified some of it, but I, I, I have – it's my understanding he has spoken to – players about how visible he wants them to be even on their personal accounts. So, you know, uh, you know, it's just a different way of doing it. I, I call it the pendulum effect. If the guy who got fired 
was free and open, it's the next guy is always the other extreme. If the if the guy who got fired was strict and you know overbearing, then the next guy is the is the other end of the spectrum. So we're seeing the pendulum has swung again. Well, I know that these are completely different things that I'm going to compare here, but if you go down the road to Boulder, there is a uh, head coach down there that shows everything on social media, and I'm wondering, is that more of a college football NFL difference, or is that just coaching personality difference? I think it's philosophical. I I think there's some, uh, you know, Deion Sanders is not like a young guy, but there, I think there is a generational aspect to it i mean uh dion's coaching roots were essentially dion getting a job and coaching and starting starting out I, I think i think sean payton leans on a lot of things he learned from people he considers mentors early in his career in coaching and you know including bill parcells and a lot of what he's doing is what bill did uh when he coached because you know you're, you're sort of always going to do what you learned you know, if, along the way. If if Dion got if Dion got the Broncos job instead of the CU job, are we still seeing these videos? I guess. Um, I you know I, I I covered Dion some as a player, and you know, so I don't know him, know him, but I would expect he wouldn't do it much differently. I think that's why he's coaching in college. Frankly, is yeah. you can have far more. Uh, it's far more of a uh, I'm in charge and you're the player, you know, type of thing. But, I mean, he's he's strict in his own way. You know, there's certain rules about appearance and earrings and all of those things. But there is a there is a philosophy in there, you know, somewhere with it. And, you know, again, I don't know it at its foundation, but I guess my understanding is, you know, a lot of the social media content is done by his son, correct? I mean, so yeah, he's, yeah. Keeping it, he's keeping it in-house. You know, it's, there, is, there is an element of control there, uh, that goes along with it. Okay, so if we if we don't know anything about what's going on with the Broncos right now, we'll wait till OTAs. Let's get to something else. What do you want to know? I got. I, well, no. hold on. Here's what I want to know. Uh, around these, I've been around these parts a long time now, Jeff, over half my life. And John Elway's contract with the Broncos comes to an end, and then he's just gone. And that's just so weird for me, you know. And I know there are a lot of young people out there. Would you want a cake and a little party? Would you? Well, I, I I guess I would argue this happened before. No, I I get that. I, I understand. Yeah. I, I'm just saying that that you know he's a he's not going to be with the team anymore. Period. At all for the rest of his life in terms of any oh, official I, position. I think they should have done something for him. I I think it was wrong. They didn't do anything. It just felt like him. like out with a whimper. I don't know. He's the most important Bronco in the history of the franchise. Maybe the most important sports figure in the history of Denver, Colorado. I think he is. I'd make that argument. Well, maybe they are doing something. Maybe uh, maybe it's something that's coming no, I, up in the okay, season. Okay, that's that's great. I'm just saying. No, I mean, I, it was just, I get that. Yeah, it just Jeffy was. It was just so. Uh, like a, like a Friday news dump kind of thing, and then that was it. I, I don't know, man. I, I've always liked John an awful lot. He's always been cool to me when I've talked to him. Uh, you know, I mean, he's just such a historic figure. You know what I mean? And so it was just it was just a little not off putting, just a little odd, I guess, or just something I noticed that it was just sort of quiet, and that's it. Well, I mean, honestly, he he really did it last year. I mean, he stepped away last yeah, season. Yeah, I dig. I mean, he, he he was, you know, George Payton talked to John Elway plenty last year. John was at practice. 
a lot, but there there were plenty of days where I would talk to him when he was walking off the practice field and he was heading to the first tee. So, I mean, last year was for me kind of the step away year for him. This year was, it was just official. So I, I wasn't surprised. It didn't, you know, it didn't seem, you know, it didn't come out of nowhere for me. I'd actually seen it happen over the previous 12 months, really. Uh, but it was just official, you know, the paperwork was done this year. But I, you know, I personally, uh, I, I think teams should do more for former players who who retire or who are done. I, I think teams should do more. I, I think they should have done something for John, but I, I think they should give the free agents their moments too. But, you know, they don't often ask me what I think about how they're doing, but it's a new ownership group and a new coach, and we are seeing the difference. My question to the new ownership group is going to be, if, if you're going to take this under-the-radar approach with your players and your coaches and everything, uh, when it's time that you want public money for a stadium or some part of the project, you know, I, I think that comes to bear at some point uh, with your organization. If they want public money, we're not even sure of that either. This is a very private group, yeah. a private organization that's that's used to the business world. I mean, uh, listen, we, we can assume a lot of things. I think what this spells is the chain of command is very clear at Broncos yeah. headquarters. There's Greg Penner and the ownership group. And then there's Sean Payton. He is second in command there. Everybody else. And with all these people, like, not being relevant anymore or not being in the building, I think Sean Payton just wants to do it his way. He's in charge. He's the guy. And I got news for you. Every coach they've hired has has been given this leeway. Yeah. Uh, You know, Nathaniel Hackett had a lot of control. He had, like, maybe the biggest coaching staff in the league. He created a, a an entire department of instructional design, he called it, uh, and and I mean he had tons of leeway. So I mean I don't think we should pretend this is mm. a new thing. It's just it looks different from the outside. A lot of the elements are the same, and you know whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, you know I. I, again, it's a pendulum thing. It always goes the other way of what didn't work. And, but from a public perspective, this is a lot closer to 2009. This is, this is really how Josh did it when he got hired. Uh, and, and it didn't work out for him because their personnel side of the organization wasn't strong enough uh, to work through all that. And we'll see how they do now because – they are a thin roster. They only have five draft picks, and you can't buy your way out of trouble every offseason, no matter how rich your owner is. So at, at some point, the depth chart is going to matter, and they're going to have to suffer a little bit this year. Jeff Lakewell, ESPN.com with us. Lakey, we are two weeks away from the first round of the NFL draft. When does your top 100 list come out? Uh, I believe on the 22nd, I think is what I've been told. So, oh, so we got we got a ways still. Can can well, I, I can I ask the draft numbers is yet? A ways away. Can I ask num- Can I ask numbers yet? Yeah, you can ask me anything you want, but I don't. You know, do I have going to answer seven and a sixty-eight yeah. player? I, I will tell you, it's a good bet. There's going to be a running back in one of those two picks. So, Ooh. 
Well, I'll just tell you that. What, what I was going to say was, if you have your list in front of you, I remember the last couple of years we've played we've played a game oh. where I just throw out a random number and you tell me where a player slotted. We're not there yet. We're not there yet? Well, you keep it above 80, maybe. I, I can okay, that's fair. Player, that's fair. Let me just get two of them above 80. Is that fair? All right. Or, or one. How about this? I won't get greedy. I'll, I'll ask for one number. One number above 80. Next week, I'll ask for one above 60. Is that fair? See how protective he hey. is of his list? You can do whatever you want. I'm ready to roll. All right, Marty, you put the music back on. Yeah, we are going. Good. Top 100, Jeff Lakewald's list that he is told is coming out on the 22nd. This is the Bible for all you draft nicks out there, okay? This 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 could change, obviously. Okay, but for right now. Medical information or something. All right, give it to me. For right now, I want to know who is number 87 on Jeff Legwald's top 100 prospects. 87 right now would be Jonathan Mingo. Wow! Yeah, Jonathan Mingo. Give us the breakdown. What, are we, what can we expect from Jonathan Mingo as we enter the uh, NFL draft here in a couple of weeks? There's actually a good chance he'll be taken well before this spot because all of the receivers this year on the board are tiny, and he is one of the big guys. So he there's a good chance he could rise uh, or that he'll get selected before that spot. So that's where I have him. I probably should have him higher, but uh, there you go. But a lot of hundred. this is, this is the first year I can remember, and, you know, this is way deep in the weeds, but uh, first year I can remember in a long, long time where the corners are bigger than the receivers on the draft board, and that is pretty nutty. God, that is weird. So the Broncos pick 67-68, and you can't yeah. really plan, right? There's no planning for what those picks are going to be. You have no, no idea how the draft is going to fall. And if you every GM's going to tell you, I'm going to take best player available regardless of position, but they kind of have like a ballpark of a couple of guys you're thinking right now, right? Well, I, I do it by strength of the board when you're really picking at that point. And, and I still believe strength of the board at that point is going to be uh, edge rusher, running back, corner. Uh, those three spots are, are going to be strong enough where there are going to be some really good players on the board still. By the time they pick this, <clears throat> the safety draft is as bad as I've ever seen it. Wow. Uh, you know, a lot of big corners in this draft are going to end up being safeties because there aren't any safeties in this draft. And it's thin. There's some really good players on the interior of the offensive line, but it thins out pretty fast. So if all those guys get t- taken early, uh, the Broncos aren't going to be able to get much depth going there. But, you know, their top 30 visits, have really focused on guys that could be on the board when they pick uh, the ones, the top 30 visits that I know of, they haven't really wasted their time with guys who aren't going to be around. So uh, that tells me they're not really planning on moving up or don't think they're going to be able to uh, in a lot of ways. And with, with Sean Payton involved, there, there could be an element of what Mike Shanahan used to do, which is, I'm not going to talk to any players I'm really interested in. So yeah. there is some element of that going on, too. Jeff Legwell, the ESPN.com. He joins us every Thursday. And be on the lookout for that top 100 list that's coming out here in a couple of weeks. Leg, you always appreciate the time. Thank you, buddy.
I appreciate you guys. Get playoff ready. See you Get playoff ready. Yes. Jeff Legwell, ESPN.com. All conversations with Leggy brought to you by BetSafe Colorado, the exclusive club for passionate gamers and bettors across the state. This is my favorite part of talking to Leggy, by the way. I love just prodding him and forcing him to give me names when he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. You could tell there's he's, a lot of resistance, but and, I was persistent and, and about and it. Because it takes why. away from, you know, that, yeah. that day, that day that he releases the list. I'm not asking for his top five, okay? I said number 87. Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver, Ole Miss. Who could be a lot higher drafted than that because he's a big... See, this is why you do this stuff. He's a, he's a thick wide out, that mm-hmm. guy. He's a Lane Kiffin product. Good player. 303-504-0925. All right, when we come back, I, I can't wait any longer for this. Um, I always think I'm done with the MVP stuff. All right, Embiid's going to win, or maybe Giannis makes it close or whatever. But every time Embiid talks about this, he's like subtweeting. He's subtweeting Joker. Every time he says something about this MVP, and he did it again, get to that audio next. Right, every time I think I'm done with this stuff, I'm over it. I'm like, all right, Embiid's going to win MVP. I think he's going to do it pretty comfortably. Maybe Giannis gives him a run. It's not going to be Joker, though. Joker is not going to be in this discussion. That's so, listen, fine. Uh, you're, you're like, uh, so watch Vic come to life. Hey, Vic, Godfather 3. And Michael wants out. But what happens? They pull me back in. Yes. That's what's happening. I'm going to be so happy. The day I don't have to talk about this MVP crap. Well, hang on. It's not or even. the day it doesn't draw me back in. It's. To be honest with you, it's not even about the MVP per se. It's just that's. That was the subject that brought this up. Dude, just win your damn award. Shine it all up. Take it home with you and leave everybody else out of it. The fact that Embiid can't stop subtweeting Jokic. It almost. What does that mean, by the way? Sub. What does that mean? You're talking about somebody without calling them out by name. Oh, that happens to me a lot. Yes. He's doing this repeatedly. We've heard it over and over and over again. I thought it was finally done because it's basically like he knows he's going to win MVP. And so he's talking to Rachel Nichols. And she asked, what would it mean for you to win MVP? And two times in the span, how long is this clip, Marty? 35, 40 seconds? 45 seconds. 45 seconds. Two times in 45 seconds. He brings up Jokic without bringing up Jokic. Go ahead. I don't know. I think one thing I'll say is that, uh, you know, if people don't people tell you that they don't care about it, they're lying. You know, that's, All right, uh, stop right there. That's one. That's, that's obviously yeah. the first one. So when people say they don't care about the MVP, they're lying. So he's calling. There's three the, guys who, who are yeah. up for MVP. It's Jokic, it's Embiid, it's Giannis. Giannis has Embiid said he, has said he wants it. And Giannis has said he's deserved it for the last five years. Yes. So Joker said, I don't care. So he is calling Nikola Jokic. A liar. He, yeah, and he feigns all this love and admiration, and they're hugging it out. But he just basically called him a liar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, continue. Listen again. That's a word you can get. As a basketball player, it means a lot, mm-hmm. you know. But if I were to win it, you know, it would be, you know, it would validate all the work that I put in. That's why I cared. That's why I cared about it because yeah. you put in so much work, you know. And if you get that recognition, it just validates that uh, you didn't waste your time. But you know, like I said, if someone tells you that they don't care, that's, a, that's bullshit. That's two. Damn. That's how he finished it. And, like, so listen to this. 
I actually agree to a certain extent. Jokic doesn't not care about the award. He doesn't openly care. But he certainly doesn't care as much as you. And I don't know why that's such a sticking point for him. I don't get it. There's such a vast difference in caring. It's so relative. Like sports fans, some fans care too much. Some fans don't care enough, right? Yeah. It's It's like anything in life. Joker cares. He's competitive. There's caring involved. He doesn't make it change his life. It doesn't affect his life. Not winning the MVP this year, what do you think that's going to do to Nikola Jokic personally? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Now, would this be different if he finished second the last two years? Probably. Like, probably. Let's say it's the shoes on the other foot, Vic. Embiid's won two years in a row. They're back at it again battling, and Jokic is now the far and away front runner to win it. Yeah. I'm sure it would feel different, right? Like you finally sure. reached the you, top of that mountain. You always want something you can't have or don't get. Sure. And I also think that both of these guys would, in a millisecond, trade in an MVP for an NBA championship. Both of them would, Embiid and Jokic. Man, this but the makes fact, it, The fact that Embiid, and this is why I've said I've liked Embiid this entire time, and I still do, but he's really souring me with this stuff. It's like, first of all, if you're going to call out Jokic, just say his name. Mm-hmm. Why, is it, why is it that we all know you're talking about? You aren't hiding anything. Just say the guy's name. Yeah. That's one. And number two, get over it. Like, get over the Jokic part. You want the MVP? You want to campaign for yourself? Fine. Get over that guy. I have purposely, and, I, and I'm, I'm proud of myself, actually. I have purposely stayed away from this debate over the last month since we had the Kendrick Perkins thing here. Mm-hmm. Charles Barkley chimed in, and it got racial and it got ugly. I've stayed away from it. I have not even mentioned it. I don't tweet it. Like, I saw this excerpt from Embiid yesterday, and part of me was like, okay, react, react. I didn't react. I don't want anything to do with it anymore. It's toxic. Mm-hmm. It's become a toxic issue. And uh, I think it's a big reason why Joker has looked so indifferent. Because I think he believes it's toxic. Yeah. He doesn't think it's good for the game. He doesn't think it's good for basketball. I told you, Vic, when he said to you unprompted, the one time he's ever had a little bit. The only time. A little bit of something to say about a criticism of his. When after the, was it the Houston game? They beat Houston in Houston. And he got his 100th triple-double of his career. You said 100 triple-doubles. That's all you said. Hey, 100 triple-doubles. And he said, uh, it's easy when you're stat padding or whatever the quote was. That prompted Perkins to get on TV and say what he said, and then everything got out of control from there. I don't think he's going to say another word in his life about any criticism any criticism he receives. The playoffs are starting, and all that matters is what they do on the court. But here's what's going to happen, because you know better. One player plays well, the other player doesn't one night, and what's going to happen? See? See? Mm-hmm. No matter what. No matter who does what. I was in my car yesterday listening to Birdo and, and Springer, and they brought up something interesting. And this will not happen, but let's just say in somehow, some way, it did. If Jokic and Embiid both get bounced in the first round, who catches more heat? Assuming Embiid's MVP winner this year, mm-hmm. assuming that, who catches more heat, you think? Uh, again, that's relative. Depends on what side of the fence you're on. Depends on who your guy is. Depends on what what happens. I mean, the Nuggets are the number one seed. Mm-hmm. They would get more heat. 
I think so, too. And they should. Mm-hmm. They should. Who, who do the Sixers open against? The Nets, Marty? Yeah, yeah it's Brooklyn. Brooklyn. It's Brooklyn. You know what this, you know, listening to him speak all that most, you know what it makes me, it, I am so rooting against Philly. For And Philly used to be one of my favorite basketball teams. That that team with Moses Malone, Andrew Toney, Maurice Cheeks, Bobby Jones, Caldwell Jones, that team was loaded. That was one of the greatest teams in NBA playoff Did history. You say Moses? Yeah, I said Moses okay, Malone. Moses, yeah. That team ran through the playoffs. One of my favorite all-time basketball teams. I loved Philadelphia. Loved them back Dude, then. Even when I was a kid, it was like the Iverson teams with a little engine that could loved sort of them. thing. Loved them. Loved them. I hate Philly now. Yeah. It's amazing how one narrative, just one reaction, it, it makes it so easy to root against them. Yeah, I, I'm going to be so happy when this is all said and done. I just want to get to the postseason Sunday and move on. Well, it's not, but, most, but, this is not moving on when the postseason starts. You know that, right? Yeah, I know. It's exactly what Vic said. Uh, somebody's going to have a good night. Somebody's going to have a bad night. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going a little I'll, bit I'll, worse. I'll, I'll and it's going to be crap. comparison shopping again. But you know what? Let me, let me touch on what Vic said and what you said. I have zero reason in this world to dislike Joel Embiid. No. I, I like his game. I respect his game. I've always liked him as a guy. I think he's very engaging. I think he can be funny. I mean, I think, I think that's, that's a cool dude. I've always liked, I mean, I think he's a, a great player. But boy, oh boy, has he gone out of his way to make me just have uh, distasteful things to think about him. It, it, it doesn't feel authentic. You know, authenticity yeah, is important. Like, exactly. W- whenever they're around Joker, all these guys, oh, they're, hey, yeah, hug yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they pull and his then behind, the, behind their back, behind his back, they're, they're stabbing him. I look, look. Well, I don't know that Giannis is. I like I like Giannis an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Giannis just is out for Giannis. Hey, man, I, I want to win, but I don't see him doing the stabbing. Giannis thing. is really hard to hate. He really is. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But Embiid has gotten me a bit sideways in the past year with him. And that's all he's doing. I, and I haven't sought it out. I like I want to find a reason not to like this guy. But boy, that, what he said—that's just—I mean, taking two shots. Just root for yourself and shut up. In fact, take the advice of your own head coach. What did Doc say the other day or last week? He said, "Can't we do this? You know, can't we just build without our guy tearing up somebody without down. tearing somebody else down? Yeah. Well, while your guy is surreptitiously taking shots across at the other conference at this guy." Well, let's get back to this in a few have minutes. A, have a conversation. Uh, let's talk to the head coach of the Rapids, Robin Fraser, who joins us every single Thursday. And, Coach, let's uh, to look at the last three weeks here. As you guys have had that, that great game against Austin that ended in a draw, you had the great game against LAFC, the defending champs, ended in a draw. And then you get the first win of the year. You take three points against Sporting KC. you got to love the way that your guys are kind of building now after that rocky start to the year, but the, the arrow's pointing up for the moment, for sure. Definitely. Good morning, guys. Thanks again for having me on. Um, Without a doubt, that's a feeling right now, is that what started in Austin as a really, uh, really good, solid effort that 
was a game that we felt like we should have won. And then we deal with defending champs, as you said, and we come in here and we get a draw, another game that we felt like we should have won. And we go to Kansas City and just fight like crazy. We didn't play incredibly well, but the grit that the team showed was incredible. That's a very tough place to play. Very, very good team. Uh, always difficult and uh, really proud of where we are at the moment. And uh, we definitely feel like we're trending positively. But it comes down to, and I keep telling them, it comes down to our mentality. And the mentality has been really, really good for the last couple of games. And uh, we can't have a letdown because we've gotten one win. Yeah. We have a, a lot of games left. Yeah, but you beat Kansas City. That feels so good. You know, their supporters always drive out here, and they drive me crazy. Uh, but, you know, Coach, again, goals are going to be at a premium, it seems like. How much, how much are you adjusting even on a weekly basis? Not from your general philosophy, but – but with your personnel and how you now think and understand how you're going to have to get three points from here on out. Yeah, it's a constant work in progress. Um, every training week is now for a while, as I think I said last week, we were really geared toward shoring up the defense, making sure we weren't giving away games. And uh, for the last couple of weeks, it's really paying more and more attention. Now that we feel like we have uh, some stability in the back, that it's now turning to the attack and seeing if we can't create more opportunities, set up training exercises that, that can bring more out of the players. And it's really everything now about trying to uh, get the attack going to the point where we finish our chances. So we've created some chances and we've created some good chances in some games, but it's a, a consistency thing and we know that we have to stay with it and uh, continue to push the players in that direction. Uh, is this a team that you figure playing at home versus the road, it doesn't matter? You've already established that that level of work. You're going on the road this week. doesn't matter where you play your soccer right now. It's all on the players. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think we can say for sure yet if it matters whether we play at home or away. We're, uh, obviously, we've shown real grit in the last two road games, but uh, – Everyone's a different animal. Every game's a different animal. And we know that we need to show the right mentality to give ourselves a chance. Uh, so whether you say it's better to play at home or away, I think you're right. It does come down to our mentality first, wherever we're playing at the moment. Um, Coach, let me ask you something more on a personal level that uh, the game last Saturday, that was your 100th game as a head coach in the regular season. God, you're old. You've been coaching. Just, I mean, looking back, though, uh, 100 games, you've been here quite a while. D did you take maybe a, a look back a little bit at kind of where you started, where you are now sort of thing, or not really? Um, not really, to be honest. I heard it was my 100th game, I think, on the way to the game, so I didn't even pay much attention to it. But as I look back, uh, I thought about, as you said, where we are, where was, where the team was when I came in, some of the success we've had over the last couple of years. But I do think that uh, last year is just a reality check that you can't live in the past. And yeah. uh, you have good moments, you have bad moments, and you enjoy the good moments, and you do everything you can to prolong them or make them even better. Uh, and at the end of the day, I'm still – here with this incredible staff and this core of players that I've had for a long time. And we all still believe, and we know it just takes work and commitment and coordination and choreography and all of that. And uh, we could provide all of that. We can get all of that within ourselves. And it's just a constant daily challenge of making sure that we push ourselves. You know, every club in this league, 
I have a problem with in one way or another. But I, I got, I've got no issues with Charlotte. I mean, you've only played them one time in your entire life. It was a draw. I, I, you know, I know that the guy who owns the Panthers owns them. I've never even been to Charlotte before. So I got. I Are got you nothing. uncomfortable with Mosher, Mosher having no fire on the line this zero. weekend? I guess. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't help your club. I'm sorry. I'm my club. I thought it was our club. Not our club. I can't. It, you know what, Coach? Our club. Yeah, let me recuse myself. I can't oh, help wait, our club wait. this week. I apologize. I'm out. <laughs> I I'm at a loss of words. I'm, I was just waiting for you to tell me what you hated about Charlotte, <laughs> what you hate about the coach, what you hate about the owner, what you hate about the city. I've been dying to hear I that. Got, I got nothing. I'll tell you this, though. Uh, last thing for me. <sighs> These guys won't let me talk about Ted Lasso ever. No, we don't do that I'm here. I'm not allowed to talk about it. Just because he participates no. in the sport the show revolves around does yeah. not mean that they, he's your conduit you know, for your latest episode update. You know when you know you're not a soccer fan when you talk Ted Lasso when you talk soccer? That's I mean, when you know you have no, no but, but, knowledge but, but, of the, the sport. The show's almost over, and they got this guy on. Nobody no. cares. Wait, wait. You you're not going to tell me what happened this week, right? No, no, no. no I won't. I won't. Uh, oh, it was last night. Yeah, I didn't watch it. My daughter watch it. Yeah, but me and I, my daughter usually watch it at some okay. point. We haven't oh, gotten into it yet. Okay, I didn't watch it last night. I, I'll, I don't know when okay. I will. But you know, the new character they introduced, the new player, right? I mean, yeah, is that yeah. is that not totally Zlatan or what? One hundred percent. I started laughing the second I introduced the character with the the goatee and the ponytail. <laughs> yeah, exactly the, alike. The the attitude. It, there's just no other way, and that was actually something we all talked and laughed about at the office and everyone's like this has to be Zlatan and then of course the next week it was really really revealed to be him but without a doubt what a great great uh, depiction of that character you know what's funny uh, Robin every character in the show there's like somebody really out there that lives that role there's a real life person except oh yeah Except the owner of the team. There is no hottie owner like that anywhere in all the sports. I guarantee you will not find an owner like that. I am yet to come across one. So until I do, I'm in, I'm in Vic's corner there. Well, uh, Mosier couldn't help you with Charlotte, so help us. Uh, what can we expect out of them? Whew, uh, really good attacking crew again. Seems like I say this every week. But this is in a salary cap league. That's where people spend their money is uh, in the attack. So there's some really good attackers. Uh, they've they've actually, I think, had the most high pressure in the league. They have some of the most possession in the league. So they're a good team uh, that at the moment, like a lot of us, I think are struggling to find ways to win. But it's the type of team that if you give them any sort of inch, they can take it and run with it. Uh, good group for sure. For us, we have to go down there, play on the turf, deal with what I'm assuming will be some heat and humidity. Um, it'll just be another really good challenge, and I believe they get huge crowds. So it'll be, uh, from what I understand, a raucous environment, uh, lots of cheering against us, lots of people loud. Uh, if you don't have any enemies in Charlotte now, by the end of the game, I'm sure we'll you get them. I'm sure I probably will. Yeah, we'll yeah, get them. We'll get them. That's going to be at 5.30 on Saturday. You can hear it right here, Altitude Sports Radio 92.5. Coach, always good to talk to you. Grab another win this Thank weekend. We'll guys. talk to you next week. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks coach. See you next week. Head coach of the Rapids, Robin Fraser, who joins us every single See, Thursday. You, the Rapids you, get their first win of the year on ha, Saturday. Have you seen, I mean, because Bozier and I have, have you seen any lasso? I have not watched any. Okay. Uh-huh. What? Thoughts on the owner of the... Um, Rebecca? Yeah. 
What's the name of the team? Richmond. Richmond uh, FC or FC. Richmond? No, uh, AFC Richmond. Yeah, AFC Richmond. Oh, thoughts. Well, she's like six two, right? Former model. She's a pretty woman. She sings well. She's a great singer. Yeah, you know she played in Game of Thrones. Yeah, she, she was did? the shame. Yeah, shame. Yeah. Shame. That's shame. her. That's her. Shame. Yes, shame. That's her. Yes, yeah. the the physical nun. In the Game one of Thrones. that they tried to look to. Yes, the yeah. intimidating nun in Game of Thrones. Shame. Shame. What did they do to her in that they show? They let her blossom. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, we we need. I need a few minutes to do some research on this, so we'll be back after this. <laughs> Texter says, Robin Fraser is Denver's coolest, nicest coach. He rivals Bednai. Yeah, we're lucky. We talk to two pretty cool coaches on the show every week. Coach Fraser's cool, man. Love that guy. He's been awesome to us. Plus, he gave us a bottle of whiskey. He did. And that was incredibly nice. You know, I just remember why he did that, by the way. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me say this first. Any coach who gives me a bottle of whiskey, no matter if he wins, loses, he could be the worst coach ever, I will like that coach. Yeah. Do you remember why? I made it just a stupid nothing joke when we talked to him once. So this is right after they won the Western Conference a couple years ago, and he got a contract extension. And I said, well, I, we're a big part of that. So, I mean, I feel like we rode something. You take us out to dinner. And then he got his whiskey. Yeah, it was very nice of him. Yeah. Um, we haven't talked about the Rockies yet as they've. <sighs> oh, somebody hit a two-run dong, a dong along yeah, yesterday most, at Coors. You should have just kept your mouth shut when things were going well. And you well, opened okay. your big stupid mouth via a text. And ever since then, Arnado has become God again. It's your fault. It's your what? fault. Why is everybody rooting against the Rockies and pumping up? No, nobody's. You want to see the no. amount of people that come at me whenever he does anything? Because hey, you know what? He, he clipped his toenails today, Moj. Well, big deal. Because you have what seems to be uh, an unnecessary hatred, a bitterness toward this guy that you continue to carry, and people want to point it out every chance they get. And it's here's the other part too. I just feel like you're poking a bear. He's, like, in the prime of his career. I understand that. And you're doing this. Like, Craig and Lindahl had actually a great question yesterday. Is Arnado having the most success of any player who's ever left Denver? Let's think about this. Is he the most successful player that has left a Denver franchise? Who's that pitcher they had here? They couldn't get him to go, and then he moved on. The starting pitcher, why is the name escaping me? Just like over the last 10 years, he caught on in San Francisco and played well. You're thinking, you're just thinking of ball play. I'm, ta- I'm talking, play. you know, Mello went Kyle to New York. Kyle Anderson wasn't bad when he left here. Mello went to New York and he and he filled up the, he filled it up. He never won anything. Oh, are we talking all sports here? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I thought you were just no, limiting like all, this to the Rockies. All. Yeah. Yeah, Drew Pomeranz. Thank you. Thank you very much, GM Fry. Oops. I mean, Adovino's been good, and LeMahieu's been been really good. Oh, LeMahieu, of course, LeMahieu. Arnado said, but he's not like he's not like the mellow, like mellow left town. Mellow's had amazing. You know, I mean, he he obviously filled the the bucket in New York. Mellow would have to be the only other one, right? Oh, Jeff, Matt Holiday won a World Series. 
Did he have how long was his run after he left Colorado though of like really high level play? Well, enough to win a World Series. Did he win a World Series? Well, I mean, yeah, he could, but did he not win a World Series? I mean, Von Miller went to the Rams and won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and I wouldn't consider Von having and Von's still really good, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't I I was talking more individual success, I suppose. Okay. I think Melo's probably the guy, but um, Clinton Portis, when he was traded for Champ Bailey, God, he was really good. Clinton for a Portis of years. had his best years for in Washington. Washington. That is true. That's a good one. It's a really good one. Both that was that was one of those rare trades that benefits both teams. It's perfect for both teams. Trying to think most, hockey can you players. say Duchesne? Uh, well, he had his first forty goal season last year. O'Reilly. O'Reilly. Want to stay with the answer? With the Blues. Yeah. There's the answer. Brian O'Reilly. One hundred percent. So O'Reilly in hockey. Mellow in basketball, that's obvious. I mean, Peter Forsberg and Adam Foote had to go, but that was salary cap yeah. situation. It doesn't matter the reason why they left. It's just how much success did they have afterwards. Okay. Yeah, maybe. I mean, listen, Nolan, what has Nolan won? I don't think, I, I guess we're doing this differently. Well, he's differently. been in the oh, he won a silver slugger. Okay, I mean, we're, but what, We're doing what? this differently. Like, yeah, Holiday won, won a World Here's Series, one. but it's like, what? See, our texters are much smarter than we are. Dexter Fowler, his career took off when he God, left I love here. Dexter, his career took off. Great one, good pick, good one. Chauncey, uh, Chauncey became Chauncey when he left here. That's a good point. Yeah. See, but point. it's it's hard to the first time Chauncey left, not the second time. Yeah, the right. first, first time, time he left, left, he went and became yeah. he became uh, a, a champion. Well, he learned his craft. And, and, and Chauncey has been very uh, precise about what happened. He goes to Minnesota and plays behind a really damn good, fundamentally sound point guard there whose name escapes me because I'm old. Marbury? No. Who? Wait, where at? Where, where you? Minnesota, early 2000s. He played behind one of the better point guards in Minnesota, Terrell Brandon. Thank you. Played there and learned how to become a point guard. Took that knowledge, went to Detroit, and became a championship point guard. And from there, he was Mr. Big Shot. This is a really good one. Shaq Barrett has to be up there. I mean, Barrett exploded when he left. Because Shaq Barrett Barrett couldn't, you know, he was was always a, he had to share a starting position here. Yeah. He got his big contract in Tampa. No doubt about it. That's a great one. Yeah, Shaq Barrett's really good. Um, okay, just, so, Nolan, so, but, Nolan but, but will be a Hall of Famer after leaving Denver. He would have been a Hall of Famer here, dude. But, let, let's get back matter. to it. Rockies lose two out of three. Well, here's the, the problem. Cardinals. This is this is okay. this is the problem that they face right now. Moj is. And by the way, Lawrence took the dub yesterday, but that was a really weird the L. Uh, the L. I'm sorry, that was a really weird end of the whole deal. Well, and this was the point I was going to make was, I actually thought the Rockies played well yesterday. I did. I, they got a decent enough start from Urania. They tie the game up uh, going into the seventh. But for the last two games, here's what's happened. And this is what I've realized and should have realized a lot earlier. The Rockies can't make a mistake. (laughs) Because the last two games, two days ago, they had an inning-ending round ball, routine round ball to McMahon. He fumbles it for a second. That loads the bases. Then they walk Goldschmidt, run scores. Then Arnato to the wall, bases clearing double. Game over. Yesterday... Tied up 4-4, top of the seventh. You got momentum going. You feel like you're going to take this game. And you get a great play from Tovar. Goes in the hole, backhands one. 
skips it, slap tag from Crone, and you're like, all right, now you're cooking. Got something rolling. Next play with two outs, what happens? Ground ball to the right side. Crone goes initially to get it, then realizes he can't, sprinting back to the bag. Can't quite get there. Misses the bag as he tries to step on it. Next at bat, two-run bomb, game over again. They can't afford once, to get any Gorman, extra out. Like, one, once Gorman hit that, I'm watching Drew and Spilly. Once Gorman hit that in my brain, I'm like, well, it's over. They, they, they're yeah. not going to come back. I mean, it, it's only 6-4, to four, big deal. But I'm like, no, nah, it's over. They they just, their bullpen, their pitching staff is not good enough for you to get four outs in an no, inning. No, it's not. It's not. No. So you can't make mistakes, and that's a very tough way to play the game of baseball, but it's the reality of what they're facing right now because that's what's resulted in two of their losses. Like, they easily could be a team that's above 500 right now, but two critical mistakes that seem small in the moment turn out to burn you. You know what the record for wins to start a season is? Since uh, yes, it's 13. It's 13. And there are one win from 13. Last I checked, according to my mathematics. The Tampa Bay Rays. It's the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Atlanta Braves. Well, they, they, they're the ones that have the record, well, there's, right? There's two things about that. Continue. Well, I mean, they're, tw- they're twelve and zero, dude. The Rays are twelve and zero. And you know what's good? you know the thing about the Rays? Hold on, too? They're, they're twelve game. They're holding. They're twelve games into the season. Twelve. They're twelve and zero. Do you know what their run? Don't look. You know what their run differential is right now? Don't look. Well, they got twenty nine homers and they gave up twenty runs total. Before we're twelve. We're twelve. We're twelve games in. This is their run differential for perspective. Plus twenty seven. For perspective, the Rockies are minus 17. The A's are minus 49. Okay, I'll say 32. Plus plus 47. Plus 65. Jesus. (laughs) What? Are you serious? That's serious. That has has to be a record. They're plus 65 already? 12 games into the year, they're plus 65. You're not winning. You're rolling, dude. You're not rolling. You're destroying. I mean, you're. Oh, my God. So here's here's what they. Here's here's their runs. Ready? 4, 12, 5, 6, 10, 7. 9, 11, 11, 1. They won 1, nothing against the Sox, Red Sox. 7, 9. Okay, write this down. Hell, record it. <laughs> I think the Rays are going to make the playoffs. They're in. Well, they got what? About 73, <laughs> 74 more wins to go. That's it. Uh, I mean, but it's just, it's shocking. When you look at Detroit right now, minus 49, or the A's minus 49, Detroit's minus 42, plus and they're plus 65, 65 in 12 in games. 12 games. Who, who, a Rosarina, did he played for Team Mexico? Yes. Yeah. He's fun. Oh, I love that I like guy. that player. Yeah. Um, there's another record going on that you witnessed if you watched the game yesterday. You know that big behemoth in right field for the Cardinals? Uh, Jordan Walker, yeah, who's 6'6", 250, yeah. at 20 years old, by the way. He is a rookie this year, Vic. He has started his career with 12 straight games with a hit. 12-game hitting streak to start his career. That is an MLB record for What's a guy. What's his name? Jordan Walker. He's huge. 6'6", 250. Um, the names he's next to on this list are like Roberto Clemente and Ted Williams. And Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, look, I don't know that that guy is not that level good yet. We all kind of know that, but still a little quirky start for him. Here's the other thing baseball-wise I want to get to quickly. So Michael K calls the games for the Yankees on uh, the uh-huh. Yes Network, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen the Yankees' bat boy? I've heard this Drive story. Car, no Michael K. 
<laughs> Go to the bank, no Michael K. So just if you guys haven't seen it, there's a bat boy for the Yankees who looks like this. He looks like Marty. he came straight. Yeah. Marty, but like if Marty mm. grew up in a trailer park sort of thing. Well, he's Marty got a, does. Well, he's Joe Dirt. He's like a Joe Dirt. Jo- exactly. He looks right. just like Joe Dirt. Michael K thinks that he needs to follow the Yankees' procedure of hairstyles and facial hair. The Listen. rules. Yes. Strange to see a Yankee uniform and somebody wearing that uniform with that sort of hair. There are rules. That's rules are rules. He's he's disobeying two of them. I think there's facial hair, and I think there's obviously the hair is below the collar. Got the red shoes. Well, here's a big distinction. Are the rules for players? Yeah. Then <laughs> he's not a player. Does every employee at Yankee Stadium need to have a clean cut haircut and no facial hair? Like if I'm if I'm ripping beers out there in left field, that's my job. I, I, do, I, I mean, he looks ridiculous. He looks scared. Yeah, he he looks scared. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, you know what he looks like right there? Like, please don't hit the ball near me. Please, please, please. No, wait, he's right by the dugout. Marty, pause he, it right there. He's on right that. by the dugout. I need, I need a pause. I need a, I need a freeze frame. That's Marty, age sixteen. No, you know what it looks like to me? Mosher Nail, that's Joe Dirt. He looks like David Spade in Joe Dirt. But He's what somebody, but this is like, hold on a second. This is some executive of the Yankees. Nephew. nephew. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, and, and so, and, and, yes. And, and this I is Greg Michael, from Succession, is what you're saying. That's, that, that's 100%. <laughs> this guy didn't walk right. off the street and say, I want to be the ball boy. And they say, okay, you got the look. Let's make you the ball boy. That is somebody's nephew in the organization. 100%. He's, he's wearing the red shoes, you know, the, uh, the, Michael Kane's got a bit of a point. Does he? I mean, it's a it's a bad boy. Who cares he's what he looks bad boy? He's more like just a guy to well, get foul balls that decorum, come by the dugout. Brad, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know this guy's past. I don't know where he's from. I don't know. I don't know how he got the job. If he walked off the street, and the, first of all, he doesn't look like he's from New York. He looks like he's from Alabama. All right, let's be honest. Yes. Does he look like he's from New York City? No. Okay. He walks off the street, shows up in the Bronx, and says, knock, knock. Hey, what's up, kid? I want to be your bat boy. Oh, you know what, though? Hold on a second. They were not at home last night. I... They were, were there, so, so John just, yeah, John just said they were in Cleveland. So Cleveland provides the uh, dude I see. for the Yankees. It's now not like it makes they, a little Oh, so this guy's sense. not even a New York bat boy? He's, no, he's he a Cleveland He looks like he's guy. from Cleveland. That's why he's wearing the <laughs> That right is shoes. a Cleveland kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. That guy's been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame once okay, or twice. Okay, that's yep. a, all right. Now that explains everything. All right, we're good. So the, the the Yankees need a guy to fetch balls by their dugout, and so the Indian, or excuse me, the, the what do you call them? Guardians say the Guardians say, all right, here's a dude. Here's Joe Dirt. Well, I in need a uniform and stick this him by your dugout. the most unkempt person in the world to do visiting dugouts. This is a great topic. How would you character? What would every city's ball boy look like? If it represented that Let's, city. All right, we have to do that when we come back. It's too good. Back after this. Get in the game with Altitude Sports Radio 92.5. Altitude Sports Radio will be live with Correctman and Lindahl at the Gallery Sportsman's Club, 1350 Colorado Mills Parkway in Lakewood for a watch party for the final regular season hockey game as Colorado takes on Nashville. 